Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Always. to another episode of Dangerous World Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you listening yet again. This is your first time tuning in. You're catching the, me at my best right now. We're uh, we're messing around with some audio software, and hopefully this will sound better. I have a, just a couple complaints out of all you listeners out there, but I appreciate when people let me know that audio is jacked up, okay? So, um... Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna mess around. It, it's sounding good so far. So here we go. You know, gonna test it out on a little Freemason symbolism talk. And um, you know, there's a lot of misinformation when it comes to the Freemasons. And just because I'm out here giving information, doesn't mean that it's 100% correct. I am, of course, going off of a pamphlet. Um, the author is not listed here, but the pamphlet is called Freemasonry: The Worship of Lucifer, Satan, and there are five parts to it cover probably parts one through, I don't know if we're going to do one through two or one through three in this installment, and then there will be a follow-up episode, and of course, you'll get all the content on patreon.com slash dangerousworldpodcast, and um, you'll get a majority of it here as well, but uh like to uh, you know include some bonus content for the folks that are actually willing to fork over some dough. I know money's tough to come by right now, and I really, really do appreciate the $3 that it takes um, just to get into that bottom tier and hear full versions of all the episodes. So um, head over there, check it out. You get bonus content as well um, and, and further bonus content under that $5 tier and then you know additional stuff with the $10. Check it out. Let me know if anything's for you over there and support the show. Not only me, but other shows that you enjoy. Um, still battling a little bit of a, uh, you know, at the at the ass end of a cold here. So forgive the uh, sniffles. I'm trying to keep them to a medium here. I'm drinking a new thing that I hadn't tried before. It's some Austin East Ciders. Um, cider spelt with a C because it is dry, hard cider. And I appreciate that. I appreciate the puns. So uh, hopefully we'll have some good good juice going. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a little creative. I'm just slightly buzzed. I'm not shit faced because this is deep stuff. And um, you've been seeing a lot of Freemasons uh, kind of getting dragged through the mud since we've been really talking about them. Right. Not just here on this show, but in general, they are a very, very contested group, I would say. Um, however, I think a lot of the information out there is is very misleading I'm not saying that they're a good group. I don't really know. Um, why are they painted as the end-all, be-all bad guys? And you'll even see here at the end of this first little um, section of this, of part one of five, you'll get a nice little quote from Bill Cooper, the 20-year uh, freaking uh, naval intelligence officer and the author of Behold a Pale Horse. Really great book. 
Um, I've only read segments of it. I don't really read much, to be honest, unless I'm researching. And it, from what I understand, though, it is one of these classic, classic, um, if you're a conspiracy theorist or if you're trying to red pill yourself, it's one of those ones that you got to check out. Kind of like 1984, uh, which I have not read, <laughs> but I've gotten through some parts of, uh, of Behold the Pale Horse and it's incredible stuff. Now, with this most recent false flag attack, um, I'm not going to list where it is or talk about where it is, but we have quite a few shootings going on. It seems like it's part of daily life in the United States, and there are some really badly done jokes about that. It's just a fact of our reality now. It seems that, especially during election years, um, with a certain persuasion of the political aisle, I should say, if that's even the proper way to say it, you start getting a lot of these going on. Um, supposedly, we've had 233 mass shootings, which is three or more people shot. And that could be, um, let's say uh, there's A, B, and C. A kills B and C and then kills themselves. We're going to be gender neutral when we talk about mass shootings here. So uh, interesting to think about that uh, that threshold is so low and suicide is also included. And it's very important to note that when 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 uh, the shooter is considered a victim of the gun violence, the reason that they count them as one of the people that died in the shooting, you know, you hear this in the news that uh, the the shooter turned the gun on themselves and they were the final victim in this massacre of 10 people, including the shooter. They say that because they want to make it clear that the gun is doing the crime. The shooter's not doing the crime. The gun's the one doing the crime. Um, so it's a sneaky, sneaky thing that they do. And I uh, just kind of wanted to throw that out there. Why am I talking about false flags when I'm about to get into the Freemasons here? Because I feel that they are behind them in some way or they're at least meant to look like they're behind them. Um, all of this stuff that I'm going through is, of course, alleged. As always, I like to say that early up front. Um... I know nothing about the Freemasons and everything that I am going through and giving my thoughts on is easily available online. I myself went to DuckDuckGo and I googled Satan the Freemason trying to find something else and this five-part series popped up. It's again called Freemason, uh, Freemasonry, the Worship of Lucifer, Satan, part one through five, okay? So... With that being said, did I plug everything I need to plug? Let's plug the nice uh, Operation Tinfoil again. Those guys are awesome. Go to wearetinfoil.com. And uh, anyone that does that will get a special $10 discount off of these awesome EMF blocking beanies. From what I understand, he's going to come out with some other great products in the near future here as well. Be on the lookout for that. And uh, I mean, beanies are, are always good headwear to have. I know a lot of places in this country and around the world, really. Um, I don't know if he ships around the world, so let's keep it to the country for now. But, uh, you know, it's still cold in the mornings and cold in the evenings. In the Tucson, where I'm at right now, it's unfortunately not. So I don't get to wear the beanie so much right now. But when that fall season comes back around, granted, we're there and we're all still alive and free. I will be wearing that beanie once again. Uh, again, weartinfoil.com. Awesome stuff. Super, super happy that he was willing to stick his neck out and uh, support me. And so I want to support that company as well. And I will be wearing that thing as soon as humanly possible. As soon as it's not 100 freaking degrees here. Um, so thanks. Big, big thanks to Operation Tinfoil. Again, weartinfoil.com. Check them out. Awesome stuff. 
protect that dome. Um, and of course, dangerousworldstore.com. That's my own clothing store. I print the shirts myself. High quality screen printing on jersey knit cotton shirts or ring spun cotton. Soft shirts, lightweight, top notch shit. Okay. And we're going to have a fun little thing going on too here pretty soon with a, uh, I'm going to call it the Unholy Fuck Championship. I kept calling it the Unholy Fuck Alliance for some reason, but the Unholy Fuck Championship will be a uh, championship style bracket where we'll have uh, eight individuals choosing the worst human being that has ever lived, and we will run them through the gauntlet and, uh, you know, essentially pit them against each other, and it'll uh, it'll be a fun little... Uh, hopefully some comedy will be involved and some education, so we'll do that. Uh, I'm in the process of working out the logistics of getting eight idiots together to talk about eight assholes, so that'll be fun. So look, be on the lookout for that. Uh, Matt from The Great Deception is going to be helping me out with that. We're going to try and do it right. We're going to have fun with that. So, And there will be merch for that. Uh, I'm thinking of actually doing it pretty officially, having like uh, Masters type jackets for these. They won't be jackets. They'll probably be hoodies or sweaters because we keep it trashy over here. Um, but with that being said, guys, all the false flags, right? I'm mentioning this. And my buddy Shannon, who is starting the Secret Squirrel podcast soon, I hope sooner than later because I am stoked, just on the information that he sends me all the time, shot over something to me today that really kind of, I think, ties in with the Freemason symbolism that we were seeing around Uvalde, right? We saw the sticker uh, on the back of a truck window while they were talking about, I think it was right outside the school, there was just a, a truck, a red truck with a Freemason logo there. Um, also, you see a wind chime outside of someone's house, either the kid's house or a house right across the street from Uvalde. Um, interesting stuff, and it's it's very weird when you see the symbolism repeated so often. But, I mean, one could potentially think that this organization is involved somehow at the highest levels. I'm not saying your Freemason down the street is a bad dude. Um I have more questions than answers when it comes to this group, and I'd love to get some answers from some uh, some honest perspectives here. But basically what, what Shannon sends me here today is an interesting little thing from the Department of Homeland Security.gov, DHS.gov website, and it's titled National Terrorism Advisory System Bulletin, and this is just created today, June 7th, 2022. Now... Reading through it really quickly, you see that they are painting the narrative that people like this show and people like other shows that you may listen to are adding to disinformation and therefore adding to the chaos and increasing the likelihood of false flags and the frequency that false flags will be happening really doesn't make any sense. Um, I'm going to go through these bold points really quickly here because you really get the narrative um, and, and, you know, there's some Freemasons involved at the highest levels of every organization, allegedly. So several recent violent attacks by lone offenders against minority communities, schools, houses of worship and mass transit have demonstrated the dynamic and complex nature of the threat environment facing the United States. They also make reference to uh, people alleging that the United States government does not care about uh, southern border security is also raising the likelihood of false flags. Doesn't make any sense, right? 
Um, another point here, the continued proliferation of false or misleading narratives regarding current events could reinforce existing personal grievances or ideologies and in combination with other factors could inspire individuals to mobilize to violence. Well, I guess that means we shouldn't have opinions that are contradictory to the ones that we see from mainstream media that absolutely have misled us in the past. More often than not, it's a shame to say. Uh, foreign advisories remain intent on exploiting the dynamic threat environment to sow discord, undermine U.S. democratic institutions, and promote or inspire violence by their supporters. Well, how are we responding? DHS works with partners across every level of government, in the private sector, and the local communities to keep Americans safe, including uh, through the following examples of our resource and support. Um, just list some some links. Uh, I'll post this at the top of this um, at the top of the show notes here. But uh, you kind of see how the narrative is kind of being being shaped that uh, alternative methods of thinking are no good. I don't know. It's um, it's disturbing, but at the same time, am I surprised? Absolutely not. So, Freemasons. Starting off with part one here, it. Uh, says basically here that in John 4, 1, we read, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try and test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. This is referring to the God that the uh, uh, Freemasons worship, and this is allegedly Lucifer. And the writer of this article claims to have proof after proof that the Freemasons worship Lucifer, um, they see Satan as the opposite but equal version of Lucifer. Uh, Lucifer being good, Satan being more bad but equal. And they see heaven and hell as, you know, equal equal parts power on both parts there, but opposite, right? So where Christians believe that God is almighty, all-knowing, um, and all-good, the devil is the closest thing that that comes to God on the evil spectrum, but can't touch God. God is basically allowing the devil to have the power that he has. I don't know who's right. I haven't seen the other side of this world uh, that I remember, at least. So, you know, it's interesting to think. Um, and they start this off very well by saying these things may look good. They may seem appealing. But instead of blindly following them, test them and make sure that they're of God before you jump in balls deep. Now, the reason that this is such a uh, important thing for Christians specifically is that they feel that their spiritual freedom is at stake. They feel that this, the freedom of the people worshiping Lucifer, whether unknowingly or knowingly, is at stake because they're being misled. Okay, Now, they're oftentimes being misled by their higher ups, as it goes on to explain here. Um, we have to remember two things about Freemasonry. Superior Masons deliberately lie to their fellow Masons, and those Masons deserve to be misled. And two, explanations given to 95 of all Masons are wrong. It's very interesting. There's a great quote here, which I uh, went through on Monday Night Master Debaters just yesterday, released uh, today on uh, uh, June 7th, from Carl Claudy, and it says, regarding the symbolism of Freemasonry, which Freemasons mostly talk in symbols. Uh, there is some text, Albert Pike, you know, Morals and Dogma, I, I think hands down the most influential Freemason of all time. Um, some Masons would, would push back on that idea. Um, I've actually heard some people saying Benjamin Franklin was more influential. 
Uh, again, no expert here. I just feel that uh, Pike is absolutely the number one Mason of all time. Manly P. Hall is up there as well, who's quoted quite often. But um, this Carl Claudia says, cut through the outer shell and find a meaning. Cut through that meaning and find another. Under it, if you dig deep enough, you may find a third, a fourth. Who shall say how many teachings? Now, this is, again, referring to symbolism, which is the way, the primary way that Masons communicate, okay? And it's also interesting to note here that Albert Pike and his uh, assertion in Morals and Dogma, one of the very bold assertions that he makes, is that Masonry is identical to the ancient mysteries. Ancient mysteries like the religions of Egypt, uh, Babylon, uh, maybe even some more uh, lesser known ones like Sumerian religion and things like this. So something interesting to think about. And while they pay so much homage to these ancient religions, the newer ones, including Christianity, are no good. Um, according to this, top 5% of Freemasons call Jesus Christ an inferior God. And you even see this with the Pope. They kind of um, make jokes against God and, and Jesus. The Pope carries a bent satanic cross, and they show images of this throughout this pamphlet. Just an interesting thing uh, where you think that the Catholic Church, which is so close to non-denominational Christianity, would uh, would honor Jesus in the most proper ways possible. But, you know, we know that to not necessarily be the case. And one of the many things that I find really, really interesting about Freemasons, um, again, the higher levels keep knowledge from the lower levels. Degrees 1 through 18 believe that they are following God and that God is the light. They're told to follow the light, okay? So they think that they're following God, but I guess at level 19 and, of course, above that, they changed the idea of the light bearer to being Lucifer. So, you know, this is an old idea. Um, some would say it's as old as time that Lucifer is the, the light bearer. But I don't know. I found uh, in my own research, I found other news and, and uh, you know, I think more hidden knowledge that would suggest that Uriel would be. And I've mentioned this before. So, you know, they make the Christian religion seem very, very out of date, I guess, or maybe just inaccurate. And I, I don't really have much of a comment on that. It's just the one that resonates most with me. Um, I say it all the damn time. I, I consider myself agnostic still, believe it or not. I just don't know exactly what religion is right. And I don't think any one is necessarily 100%. But I find it mind-blowing that these elites, including the Masons, mock Christianity so much. And that's one thing that, that Christianity will tell you is one of the most blasphemous things that you can do is just mock the religion in general. So um, Albert Pike basically has some pretty interesting things here to say about Revelation specifically, the whole apocalypse situation. You have um, these three books, right? You have Revelation, which is a Christian book. And then you have, and I hope I, I get these pronunciations right, the uh, Sefer Yeriza and the Zohar. Um, it's written here as the Sohar, S-O-H-R, but you probably would know it as the Z-O-H-A-R. Um, but yeah, the the uh, those are both Jewish mysticism. So along the lines of Kabbalah, um, the Sefer Yeriza and the Zohar. And they're supposedly, in Pike's opinion, all identically inspired, even though you have the uh, two Jewish mystic books more dealing with the creation versus the revelation 
obviously exposing the corruption, exposing the old world. And it is essentially a reset in some senses, right? Um, but Pike says that basically there is uh, no real uh, big deal to Revelation. You know, seeing that God hates on Satan in, in history, there's no real merit to the book of Revelation because, you know, there, there's no new information here. It's all recycled stuff from older texts. Um, again, it's no big deal in the book of Revelation that God denigrates the work of Satan since God's known to hate Satan, right? Um, I don't know if God hates Satan. I feel like Satan hates God. It's one of those things where they kind of flip it around for you. And the author of the article here alludes to the idea that by God saying that God hates Satan, that he would actually have a negative opinion about him, this would allude to the idea that God is is uh, equal but opposite to the devil and vice versa, right? Same power, equal but opposite. Very interesting. It really kind of gets you into that whole duality idea, which you see on every uh, lodge. You see the checkerboard floors, the black and white representing separate but equal, uh, you know, opposite but equal, I should say. And, uh, you know, the duality of man, everyone has equal parts, good and bad within them. It's an interesting idea. And uh, try and notice how many times in movies and in TV shows and any kind of pop culture, how many times you see a checkerboard floor, it will blow your mind and you'll never be able to watch a show without seeing a checkerboard floor once you're looking out for it. It's, it's really interesting. And the checkerboard floor is also another symbolism for uh, free will, right? They view that Satan ruling the earth is a positive thing. Uh, Satan does rule the earth in their opinion, and this allows you to have free will. If God ruled over the earth, we'd all be stuck worshiping him, and things would be terrible because we wouldn't have our own choices to make, where Satan allows us to make our free free uh, choices. It's obscene, I think, in my opinion. Um, again, just worshiping the darkness, there's something that is a big, big turnoff for me in that aspect. So um, sticking with the Satanism for, uh, theme here, on the cover of Morals and Dogma, you have this phrase, and I'm probably going to butcher it here. It's, I think it's Latin. Deus miemqui ius. Um, this is the phrase that literally means God and my right. Now, Doc Marquis says that this statement is a typical one within Satanism. There is one meaning within another within this statement and the first meaning is that Freemasons can depend upon their God to determine the right and justice. The second meaning is that God, uh, the God of Freemasonry is Lucifer. Masons are saying that they uh, are using occult methods through Lucifer to achieve their rights and justice. This phrase is very powerful and dangerous within Satanism, says Marquis. A Satanist knows the content within Pike's book, and he knows that it's Satanism just by reading this Deus Miemqui Use. Um, they don't even need to open the book. They can just know what the book is about by reading the cover and specifically that phrase. And just because we're talking about Satanism a lot here doesn't mean that there aren't other references to separate entities. And they also call uh, the devil by very many different names here. But we're going to get into Tubal Cain here in a bit. And what's very interesting about him and the way 
that he is really a key part of Freemasonry is the idea that Masons have so many high-level operators in society, whether it's government, whether it's law, whether it's sports, um, pop culture. I mean, you see religion. I mean, the list goes on and on. You see many, many high-level people, people at the highest levels, really, are uh, oftentimes at least connected to Masons in one way or another. And the reason that they tap into these truly talented people or marketable people is because they want to make sure that anyone involved here is not applying energy in their own craft that they're not misapplying energy. They're, they're using the proper methods and they are taking the time to master their craft and perform their tasks without applying this misguided energy. So once they're able to do that, they say that Lucifer will give them the power to perform at the highest levels of society, of their craft, as Tubal Cain did. Tubal Cain, of course, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the eighth generation human um, related to Cain, the first murderer of the Bible, right? Uh, it didn't take very long. I think he's like Adam and Eve's kid. Um, and then, you know, later down the line, pretty early, considering. You get someone that is willing to work with metal and create weapons and therefore, uh, in a roundabout way, war. Um, it's deep stuff. Very, very interesting. Another thing that Shannon pointed out to me. And uh, so I thank him for that because, you know, he's referenced pretty often throughout this packet. And uh, yeah, it, it's crazy to think that that Tubal Cain operating at the highest levels and, and really creating an industry and creating a massive amount of of pain, um, they want all of their high-level operators within their organization to follow in this individual's footsteps. Uh, he's a witch king. Um, witches worship this dude. Supposedly Freemasons do as well. And um, it makes sense because he is the first blacksmith, according to uh, you know mainstream knowledge. And that uh, information is actually really, I guess, discussed in a Manly P. Hall book and um, this is called The Lost Keys of Freemasonry or The Secret of Hiram Abiff. And this was published by McCoy Publishing, which is a massively uh, influential Masonic publishing house. Um, according to this here, it says McCoy Publishing Company is also one of the most respected of all Masonic publishing houses. Very interesting to think about here. So they're all connected. Um Again, when you hear that word respected, you'll oftentimes hear that with a Mason, a Masonic organization. They're, they are respected. They do do charitable works. They do some positive things. Um, but it's to, you know, in my opinion, to help push their narrative out. And this might kind of give a glimpse into how important Tubal Cain is to the Masons. Supposedly, again, according to the book, uh, the pamphlet, I should say, in the Masonic quiz book, the candidate is asked this question here. Who was Tubal Cain? And the answer is he is the Vulcan of pagans. Now, what is a Vulcan? Well, Vulcan was uh, married to Venus. Venus was a uh, another representation for the morning star or Lucifer. And he's basically a sun deity who was associated with fire, thunderbolts, and light. The festival in honor of him was called the Vulcania in which human sacrifices were offered. 
And supposedly Vulcan bears a family relationship to the Christian devil. It says here specifically the Christian devil. It's honestly, it's really fascinating to know that he married Venus, right? Uh, another name for Lucifer or the devil. So interesting shit. And uh, yeah, man, uh, the Vulcan of pagans is Tubal Cain. And Manly P. Hall here, he advises that the Mason, uh, once they have the seething energies of Lucifer in his hands, he is to walk in Tubal Cain's footsteps and become the greatest at whatever they're doing. So uh, I know I repeated a few things there, but it is repeated throughout this. Interesting shit. So to move on, you have 77 names which pagans have used to refer to Satan over the centuries, and they are in the Satanic Bible, of course, written by Anton LaVey. Interesting little cat, allegedly. Uh, that Xena chick, was Xena his daughter, Xena LaVey, looks like Taylor Swift, dude. It's wild. The comparison is there. Um, one of those body double things, kind of fucking crazy. But um, supposedly Baphomet is the uh, Holy Spirit according to, you know, not only Albert Pike, but Anton LaVey. And this is one of the many names that you get. And you get this Eliphas Levi that is the creator of Baphomet, okay? So Baphomet, one of the 77 pagan names for the devil, according to the Gnostics, they held that it, it being Baphomet, it's an androgynous uh, hermaphroditic goat man, right? Um, composed the igneous body of the Holy Spirit. Igneous, of course, just pertaining to fire here. And um, it was adored in the secret rites of the Sabbat or the temple under the hieroglyphic figure of Baphomet or the hermaphroditic goat of Mendes. Okay, this is, of course, something, again, written by Pike. Um, and this is a teaching of the 28th degree. So Baphomet's the Holy Spirit, according to Pike, right? And I know I've said this before, you know, I find it really interesting that uh, so many societies throughout time, towards the end of their reign, start to worship this, or not worship, but they start to not only accept androgyny, but they promote it. And it's almost looked at as a strength versus, um, I don't even need to go as far as saying a mental disorder, I would just say let's ignore it. You know, if someone wants to be that way, let them be that way, but don't force it. Um, I don't agree with it. I think that it's very fucking weird, but many of these empires before they fall start to get into that. I mean, Greece, Rome, uh, Persia, at, at least at the higher ranks, a lot of them did this before they really lost their reign of power. So we're seeing that happen right now in the US. I know we're compared to the fall of Rome quite often, and it's in the whole Western world. I mean, uh, I see it a lot in the U.S. just because I'm here. You do see it in Canada. You see it um, in the Five Eyes Nations, essentially. And I think that this really is a low-key worshiping of Baphomet, maybe more in our faces than, uh, than we even really like to admit. But there's a book where he's referenced in. It's called The Masonic and Occult Symbols Illustrated. And um, according to the author... Um, in a book on witchcraft, the complete book on witchcraft and demonology, the caption states that he is the horned god of witches, symbol of sex incarnate. So, um, I mean, I don't know. It, it's, uh, it's there for you to think about. And it's interesting to, to see that this witchcraft symbol and the sex incarnate, it's a goat with, you know, a, a human body, goat head, female boobs, 
uh, male penis, obviously, because that is the only penis that is really out there is a male penis. Um, the kundalini, the, the snakes intertwining around the penis, as above, so below with the hands, one pointing up, one pointing down, solvent coagula, if I'm not mistaken, written on the forearms. Um, and it's sitting there with its legs crossed, and it does have wings as well. In some iterations, there's a light moon on top and a dark moon on bottom. That's another representation to Satan and, of course, female energy with the moon. Um, a lot of stuff to look in there with, with uh, Baphomet. This, uh, Eliphas Levi is, a, is an interesting-seeming guy without knowing much about him at all. Um, one last thing here, um, we're almost getting to the end of Baphomet, but Baphomet's also known as the Sabbatic Goat in whose form of Satan is to be worshipped at the witch's Sabbath. Now, what's the witch's Sabbath, you might ask? There are, believe it or not, six dates, which are the witch's Sabbath. Uh, you've got two specific dates um, that are not really relative to seasonal changes, but you have the two Druid festivals, May Day's Eve, which is 4.30, right, April 30th, and All Hallows' Eve, 10.31, then the uh, seasonal festivals, the equinoxes and the uh, solstices, winter, spring, summer, and fall. So we've got winter, 2-2, spring, 6-23, summer, 8-1, and fall, 12-21. That was a significant date in 2012, remember? So uh, I don't know. I mean, the symbolism continues on. It should also be noted that um, from the way the pentagram is normally seen on the, um, you know, when you typically would see a star, you have one point pointed up and then two pointing down. Baphomet is oftentimes resembled with the upside down star. They'll throw that goat head in the upside down star. The horns will be at the two top points. The uh, goat's chin would be at the bottom point and then the two ears at those side points. Um, you just take a regular pentagram and you rotate it 33 degrees, the highest rank in Freemasonry, rotate it 33 degrees, and you have that upside down star. Again, making a wink to the goat of Mendes here, which is just a goat head with an upside down star above it. Um, interesting shit for sure. And I'll take this opportunity really quick to say that uh, Eastern Star is the version of the Freemasons for women. Um, Eastern star, of course, making another wink at Lucifer, the morning star, the star rises in the, or the sun rises in the east, the morning comes from the east, very, very uh, deep symbolism there, and it's repeated, I mean, it's, it's very well done, these guys weren't fucking around when they were coming up with their symbols here, so remember that, the Eastern star is a Freemason division for women. And now at this point in the pamphlet, we start to get more into that star symbolism. Um, I don't know if you've seen the five-pointed upside-down star with the red, blue, yellow, white, and green points with a pentagon in the middle and uh, some sort of altar with a book in the center. And um, you get some interesting symbolism within that. You've got a crown, you've got some chalices, um, and some other things which I do not know all the significance of these symbols within Freemasonry. But this is where you start getting into what the logo with that, you know, the, the square and compass with the G in the middle. There's been a lot of debate on what that G stands for, whether it's geometry, like sacred geometry, God, um, all kinds of different potential meanings of that G. 
could mean essentially everything. It could mean uh, not only anything that starts with a G, but it could mean um, everything just by by meaning God. Now, again, we have to remember that their God is Lucifer in Pike's own words, according to this. You have the ten-pointed star, which is the hidden meaning. Remember at the beginning when I say that you can look for meanings and maybe you'll find a meaning that makes a ton of sense and you're like, wow, that was really well hidden. I've got it. I've solved the puzzle. Well, no, you haven't because they construct it that way intentionally. You're meant to think that this square and compass logo was based off of the Star of David when in fact it's based off of, at least to where I've gotten, the ten-pointed star. All that a ten-pointed star is is the star of Satan and the star of Lucifer. The star of Satan is the one with the inversion to it with the one point pointing down and the two points pointing up. The Luciferian star or the Luciferian pentagram is the uh, regular star, the way that that we would see it. Um, and it wouldn't evoke any kind of feelings of uh, demonology or any of this negative kind of stuff. So you take those two stars, one right side up, one upside down, you smash them on top of each other, and you've got a perfectly symmetrical 10-pointed star. That's supposed to be what the at least second meaning of the Freemason logo is, of course, with the the square and the compass here. And um, it took me a little while to realize exactly what they were saying here with the Luciferian star being the one that we all recognize and the satanic star being the upside down one, that the one that the goat of Mendes has, right? Um, I had that backwards for a little bit because it just wasn't making sense, but they do repeat it throughout this. So I wanted to make that clear. So at the end of the day, what that Freemason symbol means, it's a disguised version of this double pentagram, the ten-pointed star, with both good and evil stars inside of it. So again, you're getting your duality by looking at that Freemason logo. The square and compass with the G represents duality. It represents opposite but equal. And so one of the other prevalent names of the 77 for the Deva is Thoth. Um, not 100% sure if it's Thoth or Thoth. I've heard it pronounced both ways, but I'm going with Thoth here. So that means it's probably wrong. But um, this is the first Hermes, okay? The God of Wisdom. The first uh, Hermes was the intelligence or word of God, moved with compassion for a race living without law. God sent to man Osiris and Isis, accompanied by Thoth, the incarnation or terrestrial repetition of the first god Hermes, who taught men the arts, science, and the ceremonies of religion, and then ascended to heaven or the moon. Heaven or the moon, huh? So what is the moon? We're talking about that a little bit on... Huh? Um, that's actually a dark thought, too. We were talking about that on um, Monday Night Master Debaters. It's a dark thought that if the moon is represented by heaven and now it's a hologram, it's like, what did they do with that real version of the moon? You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. Just a thought. But there's some interesting, you know, kind of hidden symbolism within Thoth himself. And this comes from Helena Blavatsky, who was the founder of the House of Theosophy. And her books were all written by her demonic gilding spirits in a form that is called automatic writing, she says. Right. This is a big mystery to many people but yeah supposedly she didn't even really write the books with her own intention these um 
these weird spirits that that helped her write it got the book done um and many of her works it sounds like now in this book it says hermes the god of wisdom called also thoth tat set and satan right satan i should say there's a hyphen between the t and a satan and um set is paid homage to by michael aquino of course uh alleged pedophile and military psyop colonel very very interesting looking dude to say the least and um he made the temple of set in san francisco and there's some um very interesting allegations against him and um to some people there is proof uh that that you know this kid i guess for those that may not remember or know at all this psyop bigwig in the military um basically was was alleged to be a rapist and pedophile and one of the kids that uh brought the accusations forward remembered his entire layout of his house down to like specific decorations that they saw a lot of demonic decorations and and uh you know again paying homage to thoth and to set and all this shit um and the kid the kid was sitting there in court i guess regurgitating the things that they saw in this house but the guy gets off of course because he's military and probably has some dirt on some other folks. Interesting to think about, though, for sure. Um, but anyway, back to the the names. Again, Thoth, Tat, Set, and Satan. And that he was furthermore, when viewed under his bad aspect, Typhon, the Egyptian Satan, who was also Set. Okay? So you get uh, maybe a little confusing there. Typhon's an interesting dude, too. Very, very big in... Um, and I'll get into him a little more here, but uh, yeah, supposedly controlled winds and Typhon is is basically the the Egyptian Satan, like they say. And so right here, we do have to remember that earlier on, I said that Pike was saying that masonry is identical to the ancient mysteries. It kind of is, right? I mean, they're using a lot of the same gods, uh, and they're using the ones that were looked more negatively on but they use them in a positive light within Freemasonry. Now, what this statement means is that Freemasons believe the same as all ancient mysteries and worship the same God, Satan, and they worship Satan under different names. And it's not just Michael Aquino. I know that you all know that. A lot of U.S. government officials and high-level NGOs even, a lot of these people will stage major worldly events which coincide with 19.5 and 33 degrees from a perspective of a previous event. And this has a lot to do with the um, significant levels in Freemasonry. And this is, again, traceable back to ancient Egypt. So you have like the Pyramids of Giza and then 19.5 or 33 degrees from there, there is some event that takes place. And then there's another event that takes place either 19.5 degrees or 33 degrees. And these aren't just events like a a little shooting here or there, which is tragic as it is. We're talking massive events. And there's this little thing that I'm looking into called the blood pentagram. And I'm wondering if this has something to do with that. Um, The points of some of these stars definitely look like they could absolutely be either 19.5 or 33 degrees. Um, blood pentagram for those that don't know I got a lot of flack for posting it on my Instagram dangerous world pod Um, basically it forms a a star or a pentagram over significant events and it's not bullshit I mean you have 9-11 on this pentagram you have Sandy Hook you have significant things I mean world-changing events 
that happen on these things. Uh, Oklahoma City bombing, JFK's assassination, JFK Jr.'s assassination. And there's not only one here in the United States, there's one in Europe, and there's one in the Middle East. So, um, again, that's just my own theory. I don't know if that has anything to do with this 19.5 or 33, but uh, another hell of a coincidence, right? So, uh, we were talking about Typhon a little bit. He's been identified, again, as the Egyptian Satan. And uh, this is a little uh, blurb from um, Teachings of the 28th Degree, Knight of the Sun, or Prince Adept, from Albert Pike. And it reads like this. Osiris was the son of Helios, or Phra, the divine offspring congregate with the dawn at the same time, an incarnation of Nef, or Agathodamon, the good spirit, including all his possible manifestations, either physical or moral. He represented in a familiar form the beneficent aspect of all higher emanations, and in him was developed the conception of being purely good, so that it became necessary to set up another power and his advisory called Seth, Baby, or Typhon, to account for the injurious influences of nature. So Typhon, kind of like a typhoon, right? Um, <laughs> supposedly, according to this, this theory here, you know, the, the good god uh, Osiris kind of sets up this, this negative side where, you know, they can uh, blame all the bad stuff that happens on Typhon, Baby, or Seth. So kind of interesting that Baby is such a negative word and, you know, uh, we, I always thought it just meant child of Babylon, but apparently it also means the devil. So that's good. And so to be fair, uh, it's not just the Masons that have kind of snuck this dark symbolism in not only our language, but architecture, um, teachings of all kinds. The, uh, the street layout of Washington, D.C. is very interesting. You have the uh, Masonic layout of everything and it should be noted that it's the upside down pentagram when you're looking at the white house right so even by their standards they are using the evil star and this would kind of hint at the idea that the masonic plan for the united states is one of evil even in their own minds it's not good they're using the upside down star for the nation's capital street layout right um, I know you've all probably seen it, and it's not a perfect pentagram, but it's it's got the pieces there, and that was pretty intentional. They could have even made a wink to Lucifer, but they made a wink to Satan uh, specifically. And if you haven't seen these stars too, um, there's the the uh, star of man basically, which it's got a man in the center, and I forget who it was, but they pointed out that where the star touches the man um, are all points where Jesus was hurt with nails or a thorn of uh, uh, crown of thorns or the spear under his chest um, was the spear on, on, under his chest under his uh, like nipple or peck area or was it above I forget but it, it touches both of those points anyway so it doesn't matter uh, and then so you have that you have Adam on top and you have Eve on the bottom and it spells that out and then you have the uh, goat of Mendez star or the satanic star and you have Samael, Samael, right? And Lilith. And for those that don't know, Samael is um, claimed to be the snake in the Garden of Eden. And then Lilith being, uh, being the bad bitch when Eve is the good lady, the respectable one. 
the one that you want to bring home to mom. Lilith's the redheaded freak that you uh, would have a good night with, you know what I mean? But just one night. You don't want to spend too much time there and get roped in and have to uh, pay child support and all that stuff. I wouldn't know what that's like, thankfully. But uh, yeah, just um, dark symbolism within the streets of D.C., and the last god uh, name that we'll touch on here is an interesting one, one that I found out about more recently, and that's Pan. Okay, yeah, like Peter Pan, the god of mischief. Satan is not a black god, but a negation of God. This was not a person, but a force created for good, but which may represent evil. It is the instrument of liberty or free will, Statue of Liberty. They represent this force under the mythologic and horned form of the god Pan. Thence came the he-goat of Sabbat, brother of the ancient serpent and the light bearer. This is from Pike in Morals and Dogma. So when you look at Pan and you look at representations of Pan, you do see kind of some winks to Baphomet there. It's, it, sometimes he's portrayed as having goat legs, um, half goat, half man. They don't really show any hermaphroditic qualities that I've seen. I could be completely wrong on that. But you see the representation and the repetition of Satan in all of these uh, Baphometic figures. And so we'll wrap up part one of five here, and I'll just go right on to uh, part two. Just want to make it clear that this is a five-part little deal. Um, Leave you with a quote from Bill Cooper. And uh, Bill Cooper, of course, you know, author of Behold a Pale Horse, and this quote is actually from Behold a Pale Horse. And he was also a 20-year naval intel officer and a member of the Demolay Society, of course, named after Jacques Demolay, who was, uh, I guess, a high-level Knights Templar, one of the last Grand Masters, supposedly. So um, another one of these that's connected to Freemasonry, and he says this, about the Freemasons. I tell you now that Freemasonry is one of the most wicked and terrible organizations upon this earth. The Masons are major players in the struggle for world domination. The 33rd degree is split into two. One split contains the core of the Luciferian Illuminati, and the other contains those who have no knowledge of it whatsoever. Behold the Pale Horse, page 78. Now, I will say, um, to kind of summarize what we went through here, very, very grossly summarizing it, Lucifer is the god of Freemasonry because he represents in their mind duality, which is, you know, the black and white, the good and evil, opposite but equal. In a crazy way, I will say that that kind of does represent what our world is, right? There are some bad guys, according to one side, and then those bad guys to that side um, to themselves, they're good guys, right? It depends who's on what side and where you see that side. Just because I think that you're bad doesn't mean that you're bad. Maybe you're just going against what I want. Who's to say what's good and who's to say what's bad? I think that we have some hardline things. I would say that doing things against kids or weaker people in general is a, is a universal no-no, but some of these people might justify it in some way. So, um, like I said, a very gross uh, summarization of what what we talked about there. The uh, interesting sort of, you know, symbolism within the pentagram and the ten-pointed star blew my freaking mind when I was going through that. And uh, just how often you see Albert Pike specifically um, 
really making it clear that Lucifer is their, the god of Freemasonry, the good god versus Satan, the same entity, but the bad god. Um, lots of hidden information there. And now we're rolling to part two. And here we have, guess what? More symbolism with the Freemasons, okay? So um, you have this book that's referenced here called Magic Symbols by Frederick Goodman. And in it, he states that the true magic symbol is an image which hides an inner meaning. This meaning is usually cunningly hidden behind a form which most people think they can understand immediately. It's the idea of looking at a symbol and feeling like it makes sense to you, but there may be some sort of satanic meaning behind it specifically, or something evoking some sort of magic, stuff like that. And in the case with these Masonic symbols, it seems that you will get some sort of supernatural insight or spiritual light by looking at said symbols. And one of the many things interesting to me um, regarding some of the most iconic Freemason symbols is that I don't know about you, but I think of the square and compass symbol when I think of Freemasonry. To me, it's the most widely recognized but according to Masons and within Masonry, especially higher levels, the most recognizable symbol amongst them is the double-headed eagle. And this is actually referencing the phoenix bird of ancient Egypt. The Brotherhood was known in ancient Egypt as the mystery schools. Now think about how often the eagle is used in the United States. The current presidential seal has an eagle in it. The eagle was replaced by the phoenix the original national bird, which I did not know. Now, this is in 1841 when this uh, national bird changed from the phoenix over to the eagle, and the phoenix has been the brotherhood symbol since ancient Egypt. The phoenix was adopted by the founding fathers for use on the reverse of the first official seal of the United States after a design proposed by Charles Thompson, Secretary of the Continental Congress. So think about that. The original national bird was a phoenix. Now, Manly P. Hall, again, 33rd degree Mason, very influential dude in the Masons, says this. He says, among the ancients, a fabulous bird called the phoenix is described by early writers. In size and shape, it resembles the eagle, but with certain differences. The body of the phoenix is one covered with glossy purple feathers, and the plumes in its tail are alternately blue and red, okay? So you get purple for the royalty as the body, and then blue and red feathers, kind of like Republican and Democrat, right? Now back to the, the statement here. The head of the bird is light in color, and about its neck is a circlet of golden plumage. At the back of its back, the phoenix has a crest of feathers of brilliant color. The phoenix is said to live for 500 years. Now, I was wondering, does that mean that the United States is going to live for 500 years or thrive for 500 years? Seems like we're already going downhill. And at its death, its body opens up and a newborn phoenix emerges. Because of this symbolism, the phoenix is generally regarded as representing immortality and resurrection, possibly resets, right? Great reset. The phoenix is one sign of the secret orders of the ancient world and the initiate of those orders, for it was common to refer to one who had been accepted into the temples as a man twice born or reborn. Wisdom confers a new life, and those who become wise are born again. 
Again, great reset symbolism, I feel like. I don't know. And the whole Phoenix symbolism got me thinking, um, other than the 500-year lifespan, when a uh, reset would occur, um, the whole idea of the Freemasons having such a heavy presence in the Founding Fathers, I was kind of wondering if the Arizona city of Phoenix, which is flooded with Masonic symbolism, um, much more hidden than D.C., but it's there. I mean, if you look around, there is a ton of imagery and just a lot having to do with Phoenix, which is a massive city, uh, landlocked, pretty well protected, um, strategic location, if you ask me, just not as glamorous as Washington, D.C. is. I wonder if that was truly the capital of uh, the Masons, right? Now, I understand that it wasn't really part of the United States at that time. Um, that area wasn't. But, um, you know, just I wonder if, if today, if it's got some hidden meaning and possibly it's the, the strategic kind of hidden location on the opposite side of the country from the true capital. I don't know, something to think about just because of the name and, again, that symbolism there. And the rebirth or the being born again idea, which we tend to believe is Christian, it's actually another Masonic trait. Um, George H.W. Bush, when he was on the campaign trail in 1988, going around, stumbling around, doing his shit, um, apparently was asked by Barbara Walters if he was a Christian. And um, apparently Bush was kind of caught off guard here. Bush being, of course, a big wig in the skull and bones of Yale. Um, you know, huge, huge person involved with all of this stuff. And his reply to being Christian was... If by being Christian, you ask if I'm born again, then yes, I am Christian. He didn't want to flat out say that he was Christian, but he was very willing to say that he was born again. So as you can see, a lot of symbolism is taken from the Phoenix or this two-headed eagle that we see it as. And you have this um, radical feminist and witch named Barbara Walker explaining the Phoenix in the context of witchcraft, and I believe also uh, some Eastern star elements here. Um, she has this occult book, um, which is called Now the Dawning. Oh, I'm sorry, Now is the Dawning. And she says in regard to the phoenix, Egyptians believed that the phoenix was the representative of a god who, quote, rose from the heaven in the form of a morning star like Lucifer after his fire emulation of death and rebirth. So clearly used over and over again and um, pretty, pretty conclusive proof that the Phoenix bird is, in fact, not only a symbol of Lucifer, but, you know, clearly, obviously uh, connected with the Masons here. And here's another testimony from a separate witch, uh, in this case, a man named William Schnobelin. And in his book, Satan's Door Revisited, early on in the book, he says the Phoenix of Bunu is believed to be the divine bird going back to Egypt. This phoenix destroys itself in flames and then rises from the ashes. Most occultists believe that the phoenix is a symbol of Lucifer who was cast down in flames and who will one day rise triumphant. This belief also relates to the rising of Hiram Abif, the Masonic Christ. So in hearing that Hiram Abif is essentially the Masonic Christ, I kind of put this together in my own head and I could be way off here but I feel like the holy trinity of masonry is Satan Lucifer and Haram Abif um, obviously Lucifer like I've said many times here 
representing the good or the positive side of this godlike deity, the Satan side worship or um, emulating the opposite but equal negative side of the same entity. And then you have Harama Biff, which would be like the child of um, of this entity here too, the the uh, messianic figure of the Masons, if you will. So we'll finish up here with the uh, eagle and phoenix symbolism and then move on to something that's a little more familiar to everybody um, as far as uh, occult symbols go. Now, the um, eagle, according to Albert Pike in Magnus Opus, he says, was the living symbol of the Egyptian god Mendes. This is, of course, uh, tying to the goat of Mendes, that satanic-looking goat, not Baphomet, but what originally inspired Baphomet, and the representative of the sun as well. So the sun god and the god of Mendes are both pagan representations of the devil, one of those 77 names that I mentioned a bit ago. So you see it over and over again. And Manly P. Hall, in his book, The Lost Keys of Freemasonry, states, These were the immortals to whom the term phoenix was applied, and their symbol was the mysterious two-headed bird, now called an eagle a familiar and little understood Masonic emblem, now called an eagle, he says, clearly referencing that it was originally something else. And I'm going to go ahead and say that he's referring to a phoenix here. Remember also the meaning of the phrases depicted at the bottom of the two eagles on the book from Albert Pike Morals and Dogma, this Deus Miemqui use, as explained in the part one of this little series, this is the typical satanic Latin phrase, meaning Masons are saying that they are using occult methods through Lucifer to achieve their rights and justice. And that'll leave us with a final question regarding the two-headed eagle. Why would it be adopted by Masonry instead of the one-headed eagle? Well, Masonic author R. Swinburne Chimer writes in Mysteries of Osiris back in 1951, that when they, the pagans, desired to express the renewal or beginning of the year, they represented it in the form of a doorkeeper. It could easily be distinguished by the attributes of a key. At time, they gave it two heads, back-to-back. -back. In time, this back-to-back -back key symbol became the double-headed eagle of symbolic masonry. And we're going to get into another back-to-back -back key symbol right now, the triangle, okay? Now, the triangle is represented at the uh, section here as two keys, also referencing the eagles, right? Um, two keys making an X, and um, there is clearly a triangle at the top where these keys are, um, you know, the, you have the handle of the keys on top and the actual lock um, or the part that would penetrate a lock to open a door at the bottom. And these are not only representing the two-headed eagle, but apparently the triangle as well. So a triangle with its point downward represents the deity, the god, and is called the deity's triangle or the water triangle. Now remember that, water triangle pointing down. With one pointing up, it's called the earthly triangle, pyramid triangle, or the fire triangle. It's kind of interesting to think that all that it is, it's just opposites. The one pointing down, think of it as an arrow, the triangle pointing down, is a water triangle, um, more holy triangle. And then the one pointing up is an earthly triangle or one that's represented by fire. 
we widely associate fire not only with a phoenix but with hell or with um you know infernal meaning to it right and i kind of find this interesting because it is pointing up um the regular triangle clearly used for more uh, occult rituals and there's a later version of the triangle and it is the uh, divine man triangle it's a very interesting little symbol here the occult symbol portrays a perfect man and woman within a circle and within a square representing creation which is within a triangle which is godhood which is surrounded by the largest circle and notice if you were to see this image that the triangle well i hope you're enjoying the episode so far if you want to hear the rest of the idea of the divine man triangle i'm going to get into some hexagram symbolism and how that has been used historically to wart away and summon demons and uh you know just some other interesting symbolism within freemasonry gonna kind of circle back to the pentagram a little bit and uh wrap up the episode talking about more symbolism guys head over to patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast for three dollars you'll get this and many other shows i hope to see you there